an exciting time today. We're going to get into the word. We have several scriptures today, but the main one I'm going to stay on, I've been praying to God about how I should, sometimes God will disrupt your plans. We have plans and, and things, and God put this on my heart, and so this is what we're going to go with. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21 through 28, and we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures, but I believe God has a word for us. I'd like us all to read together. Amen? Let's read. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Mm, that's mighty strong. Let's go to verse 26. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dog eats the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. By that scripture, other related scriptures and aid of the Holy Spirit, we want to talk to you this morning about exceptional faith. You may be seated in the presence of God. God, speak to us. Your servants listen. Help us to exude exceptional faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I always know if nobody else is saying anything, I can count on Sire. <laughs> it was 1995. 1995, I was coming out of the eighth grade, and I just lost my grandmother that April. And school had ended and my mom was a very introverted person she kept to herself she didn't often express her pain as a matter of fact in my life all of my years I'd only seen my mother cry one time and that was during the death of my aunt a close sister of hers and even when her mom died my mom didn't cry but I could tell that it was hurting her very bad and and she was having trouble dealing with it, and I was the only person living at home, and I could, I could see those things. And here I am dealing with all the things that eighth graders would deal with, thinking about am I going to be one of the cool kids at school when I get to high school because next year is high school and all those things. But my mother was having trouble dealing with her grief and some things with her medication, and my mother grew sick. And one day while my mother was talking to me, in the middle of talking to me, my mother stopped responding. And she didn't say a word. She just fell out into a seizure. And we took my mom to the hospital. And this was a busy time because not only were we burying and we just buried my grandmother, but in a few short months after that, my brother was about to get married. And here it is. I am a child, a teenager at, lone, uh, at home alone with my mom, and I have no idea what to do. I called the paramedics, and they came, and they, they picked mom up, and I dialed 911, and they took her in, and she didn't seem to get better. She took a turn for the worse, and I'll never forget walking 
into my mom's room one day, and my mom began to talk about all sorts of people, and she began to talk to all sorts of people in the room, but those people were not there. And we kept saying, Mama, those people have died. Those people are gone. Who are you talking to? Mama, who are you this? And she, she was talking to her mama who had recently died, and I said, Mama, who are you talking to? She was talking to other people who had died, and we said, Mama, who are you talking to? It was as if we weren't in the room, and my mama said, you know what? I'm tired. It's time to go to sleep, and she snapped out, and all of a sudden, the for, for the first time in my life, I noticed a heart rate monitor because it stopped. And it began to go beep and flatline, and all of a sudden, these people ran in the room. Here I am, a child, and I don't know what's going on, and they rush us out of the room of the Baptist Hospital, and we're in the hallway, and I'm short, and nobody's paying attention to me, and we're all outside worried about what's happening to Mama, and I hear them in the side of the room saying, clear, and, and, and I hear something. I didn't realize that there were pads, and they were putting on Mama, and I saw all these people crowded around my mother, and I, I was about to get scared, and I, I fear was about to be enveloped in me, but it was good that my mama had invested something in me because as I was a child, every night my mother would make me lay down and she would tell me, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread and forgive those who trespass, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then mama would turn over and make me say and recite this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep and if I should die before I wake I, I pray the Lord my soul to take and after that mama would spend time talking to me because there was nobody in the house but me and her and my mama would talk to me about God and mama would talk to me about faith and how good faith would work and how God would do things when you need it and I was a young kid and I I would do crazy stuff. I remember in kindergarten, I had a little pumpkin, and I told my brother, I said, I need this pumpkin to grow. And my brother Lawn said, boy, it hadn't been no rain, and we're in the middle of a drought. And I said, Mama told me I could pray for anything. And if I pray for anything, God would do it, and I'm going to pray. I was just like Saya. I, was, I, my, I don't want to hear you. My mama told me that if I pray, God will send me some rain. And he said, we're in the middle of a, of a drought. And I said, you wait and see. Mama's going to send us some rain. God's going to send us some rain. And I prayed, and out of the blue, out of nowhere, there came a tornado, and God sent rain. He, he rained over the field, and later on, my brother pulled me me to the side and say, hey, do me a favor. I said, what's that? He said, don't you pray for nothing else. <laughs> but mama had instilled something in me. She was depositing something on the inside of me, and I really didn't realize what it is. My mother had deposited in me faith. And when I got into the room and they had put us out of the room, I still was, I hadn't been tainted by theological premises of smart people that try to reason away what God can do. And, and because they don't believe God can do it, they try to make all sorts of reasons it can happen. I didn't have any money. We were poor. I didn't have any medical acumen. I didn't know how to go in and save mama. But I heard, just like John would say of the disciple, silver and gold have I none 
but such I have. And what I did was I knew it was against the rules, but while everybody else was distraught and everybody else was distracted, I slowly cracked open the door of the room and I watched them pumping on my mama. I watched them saying, give it one more shot and pump again. And after a while, I snuck into the room and there was a little bathroom right to the left-hand corner. And I snuck in where anybody wouldn't see me. And I got down and I, I went in the bathroom and I, I got down on my knees and I could still feel the coldness from, from the floor, the tile floor that was there. And I laid on, 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 on down on the, on, on the tub and I began to pray because the mama had taught me when you need something to pray. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I promise you that if you give me my mama, I'm too young to lose my mama. If you just give me my mama. And I was praying and all of a sudden I heard the doctor say, that's it. Time of death. And he began to talk about it, and he said, that's enough. And the, the stuff started stopping, and the bustling started stopping. But I wouldn't stop there. I believe what mama had said. And I said, and I cried out, God, I don't know what to do. But if you give me my mama, I promise you for the rest of our life, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the silence out of nowhere, I heard a voice say, try it one more time. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody go clear, and I heard somebody say, we got her. <laughs> and my mama came back, and, and I looked at my mama and that night. When I spent the night with her, she said, boy, why do you keep staring at me? I said, because you were dead, and now you're here, and that, that's freaking me out. My mama said, boy, quit staring at me. You're going to die one day, too. And, but what, I, what my mama had given me was exceptional faith, the ability to believe that God could do anything. It was childlike faith. Faith that's not tainted by reason. Faith that's not tainted by logic. They have their place. But many times we talk ourselves out of miracles because we try to put a natural solution on a problem that requires a supernatural intervention. My mama had taught me that it was important to believe that God could do anything. They would say that God specializes in things impossible, and he can do what no other power can do. And I began to build up a holy faith and begin to watch God all across my short span of life do all sorts of things that he should not have been able to do. God put me in places that I should not have been able to be in. God kept me in places where I should have lost my mind. God kept me in other places when it should have gone the other way. And I come to tell you it wasn't because I was a good person because God doesn't necessarily always respond to your need, but I've come to tell you that God will never not respond to your faith. Dr. Tony Evans puts it this way. He says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it may be so, simply because God said so. I want y'all to read that with me. They put it on the screen. Let's read that. It says this, faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Hebrews tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things that is not seen. In other words, there are some things that I cannot see in the world, but there is a God that my eyes can't see, but my faith believes that he's there. And because my faith believes that he's there, God honors my faith and takes some of those things that are in the unseen realm, and he manifests them in the earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, there's healing in heaven because your word said that there's a tree set up for the healing of the nation. So if there's healing in heaven, Lord, bring healing down to the earth, God. If there's peace in heaven, God, I need you to bring peace down in my life to the earth. And I believe that you'll do it even though the circumstance says that it'll never happen. Even though it looks like it's not likely. Faith is our response to the truth of God's word despite our circumstances. Oftentimes, what can be seen in the natural is a contradiction of what God says. Because sometimes the natural says you're sick and God says you're healed. It does not mean that they didn't find what they found in your body. But what it means is that God has healing for you. And if you have faith, he will manifest that thing on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but I serve a God that is an exceptional God that believes in exceptional faith. And God will have you be exceptional. What does exceptional mean? Exceptional means uncommon. It means unnatural. It means something that doesn't come within the norm, which means that if you have the exceptional faith that God is calling you to have, it's going to be a faith that looks foolish to everybody else. It's going to be a faith that has you build an ark for 120 years, telling people that never seen rain that it's going to rain. It's you looking at a pew that's empty and saying people don't care about going to church anymore. But you're saying by faith, God is going to build a house and God is going to build his church and God is going to fill his church because God said it and I believe it. And even if I didn't believe it, that settles it. That it will be settled in heaven. And I want to give you something that will increase your faith this morning. We see Jesus coming up to a woman who is a Syrophoenician. That is simply a part of the region of where she is from. She is of Greek origin. In the Bible, we see them as Canaanites. One writer calls them Canaanites. One calls them a Syrophoenician. And that has to do with their ethnicity and where they're from and how they identify. But one thing is for sure. This woman comes and she knows that Jesus is a Jew and Canaanites don't like Jews and they don't get along together. But this woman has decided that I need something from God because her son, her child, is sick. And because her child is sick, she can't be bothered with the normal social norms of who you don't talk to and who you do talk to. She can't be bothered with all the other things. All she knows is that, God, I need something from you, and I'm going to get what I need. And when she goes, Jesus is surrounded by church folks. You know, sometimes church folks uh, get on your nerves. She went in there and she said, Lord David, have mercy on me. And she was talking to Jesus, and his disciples turned around and said, 
Lord, tell us, tell her to leave us alone because she's bothered. She's not talking to you. She doesn't need anything from you. She needs something from him. And I found it strange that they were feeling bothered about somebody else wanting to get their miracle and somebody wanting to get their healing because she wasn't the person that they thought could should get the miracle or healing. But I've come to tell you, even while I'm preaching today, if you need something from God, stop worrying about what people think and what they're going to think about you, or how they're going to look about you, or how they're worried about what's going on in your life. I go ahead and have a spoiler alert. They got things going on in their life too. Don't you let people in church folk stop you from getting what God has for you. Don't you let popular culture and the mindsets of the world stop you from getting what God has for you. She comes to God and she said, my child is sick. And Jesus refers to her with a vernacular for the Jews, often called Gentiles, dogs. And you would think that this woman would be discouraged because she comes to Jesus and Jesus says, it's not good. I've been called to the house of Israel and it's not good for me to take the children's bread, which is healing, and give it to the dogs. Now, there are some that will come and they will probably look and say, you know what? I'm insulted right now, and I don't like the way you're giving this sermon, Jesus, so I'm going to get up and leave. I would have listened to what you had to say, but you didn't say it the way I like to hear it. But I've come to tell you, if you're judging a sermon by how it sounds on the inside of your ear, that just simply means you're not desperate enough yet, and you're not hungry enough yet, because if you want something from God, you don't care how it comes. You don't care if it hurts your feelings. You don't care if it gets on your nerve, but you say, I need a word from the Lord. The word is a two-edged sword. Sometimes it hurts our feelings. Sometimes it gets in our business. We've been talking about baggage for several weeks, and I know that baggage has been sitting down on the inside of our hearts and on the inside of our mind, and I've been stirring and messing in some people's pots. I don't know you, but I know I've been stirring and messing in some people's pots, and I know some of the stuff I said has made you mad, but here's the question. Are you going to love Jesus enough to allow that conflict and that anger to make you be better and not bitter do you want Jesus so much to say it may have hurt my feelings but I need to hear what you have to say I got a text message from a member, I can't tell you who, and I loved it because it was so refreshing because they opened the, the text with your, your, your message ticked me off and they said I was, I was going to leave because you started saying some stuff and it started getting down in me and it cut me to my core and I, I didn't like it. But somehow I figured out that I, I stayed, and when I stayed halfway through, I don't know when the change happened, but God started dealing with some things in my life, and I'm so glad that I stayed. This woman was not worried about Jesus being nice to her. This woman was not worried about Jesus not hurting her feelings. But I've come to tell you, if you really got exceptional faith, you don't care what it looks like. You've come to get what you come to get, and you say, call me a dog all you want, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. You can call me whatever you want, Lord, as long as I get what I need. I've come to talk to some people whose life has been knocking you all up and down inside of the head, and you feel like giving up. Don't give up. This is the time to be like Jacob and say, God, I know it looks bad. I know my situation seems impossible, but I'm going to wrestle, and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to stop praying until the situation changes. I'm not going to stop believing until what I see changes in 
to what I believe because faith is believing that unseen things will work out, that an invisible God can manifest things in the seen realm. God's not looking for people with pity-pat faith. God is not looking for people for God to tickle their intellectual assent. God is looking for somebody with faith like Siah, faith that is childlike faith that says, God, you said and I believe it. I don't know where the money is coming from, but I believe that I'm going to step out and do it, and God, you'll make a way. About a year or two ago, I looked out at Brother Dave because my, my spiritual father had talked to me about faith, and we were standing back looking up at the stage, and I said, God, Brother Dave, God's put on my heart to build a stage. He said, okay. <laughs> I said, do we have it in the budget for a stage? He said, no, we don't. I said, you know what we're going to do, Brother Dave? He said, what? I said, we're going to build a stage because God blesses what you do and whatever you do is prosperous. And sometimes we're waiting on God to move and God is not moving because he's waiting on us to move. God will bless what you do. It's time for the people of God to stop waiting for all of the churches of America for people to start coming in the doors and for you to start going out and knocking on doors, saying who will come and who will be saved. God is looking for people that are crazy enough to believe and their faith will spark them to action. Exceptional faith is uncommon, so you got to be sure that when you get exceptional faith that you're ready to go beyond the norm. In the book of Matthew chapter 8, starting around verse 5 through 13, the Bible talks about a man who had power and he had status. His name, he doesn't give, but it says he was a Roman centurion. I want you to read that to me. Uh, Read it with me. Let's read. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Mm. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I did not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. Hmm. When Jesus heard this he was amazed and he said to the following to him. Truly I tell you I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. Let's read that again. Go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. (laughs) The Bible says that whatsoever that your heart desires when you pray, believe that you shall receive it and you shall have it. But the problem is not with us believing. The problem is that we allow the enemy to get in our ear and to talk us out of blessings. God put Adam and Eve in a garden. And told them if they eat of a fruit, they would die. But they let him get in their ear and say, you won't surely die. 
How does he do that today? God is putting your heart a business or a ministry to start out. And the enemy says, now, you know, you don't have any money. You, you know, you don't have any education. You know, you don't have any resources. God has called for healing. And you, you, he says, you know, people your age don't recover from stuff like this. You know, you can never be happy. You know where you came from. And what he's slowly trying to do is to put a thought in our minds that's contrary to the word of God. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says that we cast down every thought, every high thing in vain imagination, which holds up itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, hallelujah, they pulled it up. I didn't even have that in there. They're flowing with me. Let's read that together. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you not know that there's a battle for your mind, and if the enemy can take your faith, he can take your reward, he can take your promise that God has has for you, not your salvation, but there are some things that are lined up that God has for you, and he'll say, be it done unto you according to your faith. <laughs> I've come to tell you that an f- exceptional faith takes tenacity. Somebody in this room, if you'll be honest, will say, I need exceptional faith because I've got exceptional issues, <laughs> and the ordinary just won't do. Look at your neighbor and say, the ordinary just won't do. The problems I have, just normal things won't solve them. The problems I have, the doctors don't seem to be able to solve them. The problems I seem to have, money and job don't seem to be able to solve them. I got to do something out of the norm. If you want something that you've never had before, then you got to do something that you never done before. I wonder, is there anybody in here who can praise God because he's sparking their hearts to do some uncommon things in an uncommon season so that they can get an uncommon result? God is calling you beyond the norm. Real faith moves you outside just as much as it does on the inside. The centurion went beyond what the church folks would do because the centurion wasn't who Jesus was called to. God was called to the house of Israel. But do you not know that sometimes God will stop and take notice and stop what he's doing because of faith? If you don't believe me. There was a woman that had an issue of blood with 12 years. Jesus didn't have her on his mind. Jesus was on the way to heal the daughter of a preacher named Jairus. That daughter who had died, Jesus was on the way to heal Jairus. He didn't have her on his mind. And other people were touching Jesus. Other people were in the church raising their hands, but they really didn't want nothing. They were just worried that the pastor might not see them raising their hands. They were were worried that the pastor wouldn't see them praising or they might get caught on the video. And so what they were doing, they were just going through the motions. They really didn't want anything. But there was a woman who had gotten down so bad that money couldn't help her and the doctors couldn't help her. And she said, I don't have anything left to hold on to but Jesus. And since I'm falling, there's a hymn coming down from his garment, a Talita, a tassel coming down, and there's healing in that wing. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. God is trying to make you whole today. God is saying, will you touch the hem of my garment? 
she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd. One, because she was a woman and she wasn't supposed to touch Jesus because she was a woman. And two, because of the issue that she had, she was considered unclean and would be ostracized. She risked social ostracizing. She risked all of her popularity. She risked everything. And But she looked at herself and said, what else do I have to lose? I've come to talk to somebody this morning who's been trying to reason your way out of your problem and ask you a simple question. What else do you have to lose? Why don't you trust God? You tried it on your own. You tried to do it your way. What else do you have to lose? Why don't you reach out and touch the hem of his garment and say, God, I'm going to give it to you. Faith closes the gap between the impossible and the possible. Jesus says all things are possible. Just I don't know about you. You may not be able to look to your left or right or or see it, but I I can see a room that's filled with people in my spiritual eye. I can see a room that's so filled that we have to go to two or three services because people love Jesus. I see a room right now filled with people that love Jesus so much that when they leave here, they're going to be outside focused and they're going to start inviting people into the church. They're going to start saying, Pastor, I know I could do more than I've been doing, but I'm going to find out what my gift is in this next sermon series because I've been called to serve and I know that I want to be a part of whatever God is doing. There is a song by Bishop Paul Morton that said, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. I don't know about you, but God's going to move whether you move or not. And I don't want him to move without me. I want to be a part of what he's doing. I love to see everybody at church, and I want you to come, and I encourage you to be committed to Christ every Sunday. But what will happen is, whether you're committed or not, God will still fill the house. Whether you give or not, God will still provide. Whether you like it or not, God will still bless, because God is going to do just what he said he would do. And since he's going to do it anyway. I'd rather be on a winning team. I, I jump on the bandwagon. You know, we have a lot of bandwagon fans. I'm a Cowboys fan. I know we're in Dallas, but I'm, uh, I know we're in Detroit, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys fan. And somebody said, I can't talk to you anymore, but that's okay. But guess what? I've been a Cowboys fan since I was a junior in high school. And sometimes it irritates me from them closet Cowboys fans that every time they win, you see them coming out. But every time they lose and you don't see them, I don't count you as a fan. I I need people who are there when it's up. I need people that are there when it's down. And guess what? God's going to bless this church. God's going to fill this house. And God doesn't want you to just be here when things are up. He wants you serving like a million people are here when things are down. God wants you to say, I want to be a part and I want to be used by God, and I'm not waiting till folks show up to work. I've got work to do right now. I've got exceptional faith that the pain in my body can be healed. I've got exceptional faith, Derek, that your back can be healed and God can move in it. Right now, in the name of Jesus, that God can move all over your body and move pain. I've got exceptional faith that your hand can be healed if you believe that you receive. I've got exceptional faith, Sister Becky, that everything that troubles you or bothers you will be worked out in the name of Jesus. I've got exceptional faith, Robin, that whatever we need, God will supply. I've got 
exceptional faith. It's <laughs> I've got exceptional faith, Terry, that God is going to give you the people that your heart desires to minister to. Just minister to the few you have now. But if you're faithful over a few things, God will make you ruler over many. I have the faith to believe. I have the faith to believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works up on the inside of us. Exceptional faith is relentless. This woman did not care what people thought of her. When you get in enough need, you don't worry about being cute. When the doctor's shaking his head, I, I can tell you from experience, you don't worry about cuteness. You worry about faith. When you can't see your way out and pandemics hit the land and, and things are more cost more and jobs are, 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 are not being filled and, and things seem to be like they're getting worse, you don't worry about what's going on around you. You worry about the faith of God being built on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I've been praying for a year and God has asked and blessed my prayer. I've been praying even in the midst of COVID. Lord, let us not lose one person to COVID. Let us not lose one person in this church to COVID and it's been two years and not one person has died for COVID. I've been praying over people. God chooses where he responds. That doesn't mean some didn't get it, but God brought them through. You don't know sometimes, but you're living off the faith of other people. Why you don't even know it? I'm on my knees praying for you. Even when you don't think I care, you don't think I know, I'm getting up in the middle of the night and rolling over on my knees, praying in the middle of the day. Sometimes my children walk in on me. Sometimes my wife walks on me and they'll say oh, oh dad is praying but God's put you on my heart even when you feel like you're alone and the enemy is telling you that you can't get it and you can't make it God has given me the faith to be able to pray and I pray that you pray for me as well that I have the strength that we'll build up each other in faith somebody says why is he hollering I haven't hollered in a while and it's a little bit overdue Hallelujah. Don't let reason rob you. You can reason yourself right out of a miracle. I say that again. Don't let reason rob you. You can reason yourself right out of a miracle. You can talk yourself right out of a blessing. If God says you can have it, open the word, speak what God says, and shut your mouth. It doesn't matter if you might feel like it on the inside, like it's not going to happen. But don't open your mouth. Say, God, I'm going to believe your word, and all I'm going to say is what your word says about it. Because I have the faith to believe that you're going to do it. Somebody believes that it's already gone. Your kids are grown and gone. They don't care anything about God anymore, and they've left God, and you don't think they're coming back. Believe what the word says, that if you have faith and you believe, God will bring them in. God will save them. Believe the word and shut your mouth and just trust that God will save those who seem like they can't be saved. You may give up on them, but God has given up on them. 
They may have cursed the church and said, I'm never coming back again. But I know a God who looked at a man who spent his lifetime killing Christians and going down, and he met him on a road on the way to Tarsus, and he changed his life. And I've come to tell you that there's nobody that the blood of Jesus cannot change. Don't reason yourself out of a miracle. You better believe because guess what? Hell is for real, and hell is forever. And if you have somebody that's not saved, I will be praying every day in faith that God snatches them from the bowels and the jaws of the enemy, believing by faith that God will save them and do it abundantly above. I don't want to pray because faith faith just says, Lord, save them. But exceptional faith says, Lord, save them and use them. Use them mightily for your work. Lord, use them in a way that even when they stray, their life will be a testimony to you. I'm almost done. Jesus said this. I'm going to read this scripture to you. It says, Jesus went on from there and came to his hometown. This is the last scripture for today. Accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these ideas, they asked? What? Is this wisdom he has been given, and how can he perform such miracles? Reason. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of and the brother, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Yes, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Aren't his sisters here with us as well? And they took offense at him. They were offended at Jesus. They allowed their belief to be offended. Kooky Christians thinking people can be healed. Kooky Christians thinking that God can change people's minds and change what they think about themselves. Kooky Christians that think that God can make people change their lifestyles. They were offended at him. Then Jesus said to them this to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household is a prophet without honor. So he could not perform any miracles there except lay the hands, his hands on a few of the sick and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And he went around from village to village teaching the people. They didn't get miracles because they treated Jesus as common. The miracles didn't cease because God wasn't able. The miracles ceased. Because they would not believe. What miracle in your life do you need? Who in your family do you love and you know they're not saved and they need to be saved? Salvation is the biggest miracle there ever was. What healing in your body do you need to happen and then not to come back? It's not happening because God's not able. Maybe it's not happening because we don't believe. Now, I know sometimes God moves how he wants to and he chooses not to heal, and that's his choice. He chooses whether or not he heals but I'd rather be like the woman 
our text. Lord, if you don't heal me, it'll be just because you didn't want to. But I'm not going to let go until I get a blessing. God is calling you to have exceptional faith. God is calling you to move beyond the norm. (coughs) He's calling you to move beyond the status quo. He didn't call you to be normal. He called you to be exceptional. Uncommon. Unusual. He didn't call you just to show up on Sundays and Wednesdays, but he called you to be here before church starts and have the doors open and bring people with you and find ways you can work in the church to build the kingdom of God. God never calls you to just enough. He is jolly. He's more than enough. We serve a God that is more than enough. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. The power can't work if we're not working. God is calling us to work. And to give our best and our all, God is calling us to build this local church assembly. God is calling us to touch this city for Christ. God is calling us to make a difference in the world. But do you want uncommon miracles? Then you've got to have uncommon faith. Faith does not mean Do you really know what an exception is? It's beyond the norm, which means that in most cases, this would be true. But this is an exception. You ever ask for an exception on something? You got a bad grade, and you say, help me, let me get extra credit. I want an exception. Sister Wolf, normally the doctor would say, no. I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to work on you. I know they did that to my mama when she was a certain age. They wouldn't go over stuff. But guess what? God will make are you exceptional do you have exceptional faith do you believe in the uncommon right now if you need something from God if you could just close your eyes And just raise your hands as a testimony that, Lord, I believe. Now, when you leave here, I'm going to tell you that your faith is going to be tested because the enemy is going to see if you really mean what you say. It might not get better. It might get worse. But you've got to be just like the woman. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. I believe. Begin to go to God for what you need right now in this place. God, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're causing our faith to be sparked and ignited. That you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think in the next life and in this life, Lord. According to the power that works in us. I pray for healing in this room. I pray for deliverance in this room. I pray that every bit of baggage in this room be removed right now in the name of Jesus. 
before God. He praised you. If you believe God is doing it, as you finish praying, start praising him. Say, God, I thank you for what you're doing. Hallelujah. We give you glory. If you believe that you got it. I want you to signify it by giving God praise in this room. We believe it in this season. In Jesus' name.